It's the Theonauts, episode 180. The one where we don blue coats like the ball rock. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo Knotheads out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the, the Theo Knots. How you doing? All right. Good. We're, we are um, coming closer in our, <laughs> in our episode. It's only been two weeks. Frequencies. Three weeks. Three weeks? Has it been? That's, well, that's not bad. No. Not it's bad at two all. Two within a month? Wow. Shocking, huh? It used to be every week. Yeah. But, Aww. Uh, we're trying. We're we trying. are. We are. Don't and, give up on us. And we'll, we're, I'm back in the studio, back in the... Uh, yeah, I'm visiting. The attic above the bird's nest, rocking and rolling with David Gaddy. Welcome to Black Friday. Yeah! Throw down with the Theonauts on Black Friday. So, did you go shopping? Friday, Friday, Friday! No, <laughs> of course not. Why not? You know how I am. Yeah, you like want to go there as soon as the stores open. I'm so buy opposed to Black Friday, I can't even... <laughs> I can't even... And it's, it's like it, it goes against every fiber of your being, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It's like, um, well, every year I preach on it, so I don't know. There's opt outside, get outside, <laughs> take pictures of yourself outside in the rain. It, it's rainy right now, mm-hmm. but hey, whatever. Or, you know, do a podcast. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> With your best friend. Yeah. Opt Theonauts. Opt Theonauts <laughs> on Black Friday. <laughs> That should be, we should do it every Black Friday, like a podcast every Black Friday. Yeah. And call it Optheonauts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. so. We do you have a happy Thanksgiving? Super opposed to it. Yes, we, we did. We had, uh, man, we had a big crowd in my mom's house. We had like, uh, I think they counted, counting the kids and everything, 24 of us. Wow. Yeah. All crammed into my mom's house. How fun is that? Just smaller than the one that they lived in out here. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was good. That's awesome. Yeah, no one fought. Yeah. I mean, everyone was, the way my family is, they're all talkers, and so everyone's, like, talking on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, it's chaos. As Kevin sure. says, sensory overload. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went over to the Neals last night. Yeah. And enjoyed worship together. I had some Friendsgiving. Friendsgiving. Yeah. It was very nice. It was. It was, was great. That was probably one of my favorite times we've had together. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, but it went too quick, so... Always does. Yep. Anyways, I had a good Thanksgiving to you. Yeah. Yep. Dylan uh, is getting married tomorrow. Yay. And so that's the reason I'm down in Texas, and uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and so we spent Thanksgiving over at his future in-laws. Uh, mm, getting to know the, that's right. the Shane, other side. Oh, my goodness. Shane made the best rotisserie turkey. I've ever eaten in my life. It was yeah? just so delicious. And so, yeah, it was great. A lot of fun. And then they watched the Cowboys lose. 
Yeah. Oh, that was super awesome. Yeah, it was great. So, wow. Wow. Anyways, are you ready to dive into our topic today? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, man. All right, so what you got for us? So we're continuing on our, and I told David this summer, David hasn't studied really any of this stuff. No, so this is all Jeremiah's pet project. It's kind of on me just because, <laughs> well, the last time, if you if you haven't listened to the first in the series, go back to the last um, episode and listen to that one before this one because then it'll make a whole lot more sense. But I have been enthralled and interested in a piece of um, church history, church history, Roman uh, or, or Refor- Reformation history that I never really studied before because I really just didn't give it the time of day. And so um, now I'm, I'm giving it the time of day and really discovering some very interesting characters and uh, some thoughts and some ideas about um, that basically make up my belief systems um, in, in today's society. And so, um, you know, I, I've always loved the Reformation. You have too. Yeah. It's probably been one of our favorite topics. Yeah. And we end up going back there so many times just because grace alone yeah. is so important. It's the just, five uh, solas are so important. Just like um, uh, last night, or this morning. This morning I was sitting in, the li- in my library mm-hmm. and trying to decide what I'm going to preach on Sunday. Right. And I look over there and I see the complete works of Martin Luther. <laughs> sure. And I'm like, let's see what Martin Luther preached on on Thanksgiving. Right. Until I realized... Wait a minute. There's no Thanksgiving in Germany. <laughs> in, the, in the 1500s, no Thanksgiving in Germany. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. So, so you know, I, I found plenty about Advent and Easter. <laughs> sure. Nothing on Thanksgiving. But, yeah. So, yeah, you'd probably have to hit a... I, I, I suggested a Jonathan Edwards, but even Edwards is before Thanksgiving, really. Well... No, they would have been having Thanksgiving. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a national holiday, or anything. right? But that'd be interesting to look at some. Yeah, of those see if there was see. any sermons around yeah. that. Anyways, so you know the Reformation <laughs> is so so important to us. The yeah. five solas being part of that, but there's a little piece that, um, just has always been kind of missing, namely infant baptism, um, versus uh. Credo baptism, right? Yeah. Um, so pedo baptism versus credo, and then um, the other, the other. There's there's so much more iconoclasm, um, which basically transubstantiation, transubstantiation in the mass. Yeah. Um, so many different little things that that I did. I disagree with Luther on, right? Yeah. Um, well, that was a, what was kind of cool about the whole Reformation. Anyway, it was like we're reforming this, and so you almost had a blank slate to rethink everything right. that you've been practicing in traditions sure. and see, okay, how much of this weighs out with Scripture and how much of it is tradition and how much of it is, you know, just um, uh, wonkiness. And and it seems like, you know, um, whenever you start thinking, others were going places that people couldn't go. Like, mm-hmm. well, oh, no, 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 I can go this bar, but no, I can't go there. And so I think that's why you end up with all these little um, these little, I don't want to use the word sects, but like a um, divisions. You have all these little pockets. Little splinters, yep. Yeah, yeah. 
it splinters out, and that that's the case. I mean, it still does that to this day. Of course, really, you have so many different splinters, and so the the splinter that I want to talk about today, uh, the beginning of the splintering, mm-hmm. is the Anabaptist movement. Yeah, and so last week, part two, dun, part dun, two. Dun. That's right. Last last time, not last week, but last time, I introduced you to the character character of. Holdrick is Zwingli. That's right. Uh, and I like I like just saying his name. Zwingli. Zwingli. He's got a. Mm. He has the best name out of all the reformers. Mm. Some people yeah. would think Calvin, but no, it's definitely Zwingli. <laughs> so Zwingli was um, the reformer of Switzerland. Um, uh, he was the lead pastor or the the head priest of the Canton. Um, that Zurich was in. Zurich is the main one of the main cities in Switzerland at this mm-hmm. time, and Zwingli was a very, very important and influential person. Um, he gained gained a lot of knowledge and uh, was influenced greatly by Erasmus. Um, and then later on, he he began um, kind of. Uh, Let me start this movement, and then. Not go full on with right. It. Yeah. So he began the Reformation in Switzerland, um, and so he was he was very big on playing politics. Mm-hmm. Um, he he wanted to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So he tried to tried to basically play both sides a little bit. Um, Switzerland. Yeah, it's it's Switzerland. <laughs> the funny thing is, one of Zwingli's biggest pet peeves, and this is just an overview for from the last time. One of Zwingli's biggest pet peeves was um, he he was a, uh, a pacifist. He didn't believe in any fighting whatsoever, and right. yet later on he <laughs> drew drew up uh, lines and battle lines and raised an army and ended up dying in action. Uh, fighting for for his Reformation beliefs, yeah. <laughs> so it's very interesting uh, how how he started out versus how he ended up. Um, and in the midst of that, he influenced some other people who ended up splitting away from him. And he actually was the greatest proponent for their persecution. Right. And so the three people I want to talk about today are Zwingli students in Zurich. Uh, around the time the Reformation is happening, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Kind of, they they would be the three basic, you know, <laughs> the fathers. They are considered the fathers of uh, the Anabaptist movement, mm-hmm. the fathers of the Swiss Brethren. Uh, and today, if you are a Mennonite or a uh, um, a Amish, Amish. person, uh, they're they're who you look to your her- heritage to, and a lot of. Baptists look to this now too. Yeah. They see the same lines going through. Although the Baptists really didn't didn't really seriously start uh, until birthed out of the Puritan movement. Yeah. So, anyways, going back to these three guys, the first one is Conrad Grable. The second one is a guy by the name of Felix Manns, and the third is a guy by the name of George Balrock or um, Balrock. His his actual name is. George von Haus Jacob, George von Haus Jacob, uh, which Zwing- like- Zwingli was like, "You shall not pass, Balrog." Balrog, no, it's actually Balrock, but I like oh. Balrog <laughs> so much more. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll get to him in a bit. But Conrad Gable, Felix Mann, and George Balrog, the Balrock, those are the three 
main proponents, starters for this um, movement, this reformation. And so the first one I want to talk about today uh, is Conrad Gable. Uh, Grable. Uh, Grable was born around 1498 um, to um, basically kind of poorish means. He his uh, he spent his early life in uh, Grugen. Uh, and then came to Zurich with his family around 1513. Um, And he spent a lot of his time actually studying abroad. Um, uh, And so he, let's see, he studied six years uh, at the Carolina, the Latin school in Grusmonster Church of Zurich. Um, He enrolled at the University of Basel in October 1514. Um, He studied under Heinrich Loridi, a noted humanist scholar. Uh, his father inquired a stipend from Maximilian, uh, Emperor Maximilian, for Conrad to study at the University of Vienna. So he studied at um, University of Vienna, and he also he studied at the University of Basel, so two prominent years. He studied there for like three years, and then he moved on to another uh, he moved on to Paris, um, and, he, and he began studying. But the problem was he spent two years studying there. He joined a boarding academy of his father, uh, uh, former teacher in Basel. His dad raised him some more money so that he could study there. But the problem was he, uh, he never took his study seriously, and he liked to party, like hardcore. And so, yeah, yeah Grable was known for being a fighter. In fact, people, uh, if you, you know, if you mentioned Conrad Grable in Paris, people would yeah. be like, yeah, that's that brawler dude who's, you know, supposed to be studying, but he's basically spending all his money on booze and fighting. And, uh, <laughs> finally his dad's like, um, that's it. You're done. Come home. Uh, there's no more support for you. So he had to move back to Zurich. Um, and ended up, although he spent six years at three universities, he never got a degree. <laughs> so wow, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's he's kind of Tommy Boy. Exactly. He just <laughs> he partied it out and didn't. But he did learn Greek and Latin, um, and it was able because of that to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and he joined basically so Zwingli at this point this is around 1521 Zwingli had this group of of young men who who were he was meeting with the study right and he was basically just teaching them through the bible Zwingli was really cool in that um uh I, I mentioned last time that that he approached the bible in a different way than people that had in the past mm-hmm. he approached it to study what it Basically, what it said, you know, yeah. versus expository. Exa- exactly, it was going through the text instead of right uh, shackling yourself to the traditions. That exactly. Yeah. So he broke tradition with the the Roman Catholic Church, and instead of reading what they assigned him mm-hmm. to read, he would actually go through and expositorily preach the scriptures. So that garnered a following, and uh, Conrad Grable was one of those that started meeting with him and really, really just soaking this stuff up. In 1522, the spring of 1522, Conrad had a conversion experience um, 
and it's it's almost like night and day. Um, what happened? So he started studying with Zwingli in fifteen twenty one. Yeah. That next year, he had this conversion experience, and his life did a one eighty. It was completely different. After that, um, he showed a dramatic change. He became an earnest supporter of the preaching of Zwingli. Um, he rose to leadership. Like he was, he was like Zwingli's little, you know, pet boy, right? You yeah, know, the, yeah. his his master pupil, and became a model student and really just followed around and um, he followed Zwingli around like a puppy dog, <laughs> and everybody else followed him. And so Connor Gable became the Grable became Zwingli's second in command kind of person. And so that all was good and well until um, the disputations. Um, the sausage event. That's right. The the event of the sausages, <laughs> which he was cool with. But then the second disputation is where we see Zwingli and Conrad Grable break from each other. The topic of the second disputation was supposed to be the mass yeah. and doing away with the mass. And also... Uh, the topic of the second disputation was supposed to be um, iconoclasm or yeah. worshiping the icons, right? Mm-hmm. So doing away with all the images yeah. and, and worshiping idols, basically. That was their idea. And so while Zwingli in private told Conrad Grable and the, and the rest of his cronies that, that the Bible, it went against the Bible to do the mass the way they were doing it, and it went against the Bible to worship these idols and icons, um, in public during the disputation, he's like, eh, it's okay. We don't need to fight against yeah, it's that. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big a deal yeah. right now. And so that ticked off Conrad Grable because... The brawler. Yeah, the brawler, because the brawler noticed that he was being two-faced mm-hmm. about it. And so he argued with Conrad. Zwingli argued with Conrad over it publicly, and they, they basically had a had a break. Um, Grable saw it as an issue of obeying God rather than men, and Zwingli saw it as an issue of the, the people aren't ready to go there, so let's not go there yet. Instead, let's preach um, about it and let that be that. So they basically, they broke with Zwingli, um, there were about 15 men in total. Grable, Manns, and Balrog were, were kind of the leaders in this. But they broke with Zwingli, and they started meeting together on their own. Okay, and Most of the time they would meet in Felix Mann's house. Yeah. But, so they just started basically worshiping together, meeting together, praying about what to do next, um, and, and having some serious... Discussions. It was during this time that Grable, who was the who became the leader of these fifteen guys and their families, he wrote to um, Andreas, Carl's lad, and Martin Luther. Uh, Carl's Carlstad, you know Carlstad. He was another one of the reformers, and Martin Luther. Um, and this is by fifteen twenty four, by the way. Um, and Carl's. That came and actually visited Zurich and met with him, but then they they couldn't find anything in common. Luther never, uh, the letter supposedly never even reached Luther that hmm. Grable wrote to him. Um, so there was a public debate. So for a, about a year, this was going on. They were meeting in private away from Zwingli. The ties had been severed and they were 
they were starting to really draw up. He was, you know, becoming more and more embittered with the way Zwingli right. was handling the Reformation <clears throat> during this time. Mm-hmm. They were meeting together. It was all legal. It was okay for them to meet together and to study the Bible and worship together. That was all fine. But it was it was becoming more of a this was a this was a group within if you can imagine your church having a group within the church of dissenters like and they're they're talking amongst themselves and they're like this is wrong this is wrong this, yeah, yeah. this shouldn't happen and Zwingli's over all the church of Zurich at this point and he's trying to you know he's trying to control he's trying to keep the peace. that's right he's trying yeah. to control keep the peace do and whatever keep he his can, position and keep his position that was the biggest thing right mm-hmm. um uh by the way uh Grable's father was actually on the council um, that that Zwingli was on the city council, which was basically in control of everything. Yeah, and so Grable's own father kind of disagreed with Grable at this point. Anyways, so they're meeting together for about a year, and finally, um, imagine that father it, and son disagreeing. <laughs> in January of fifteen twenty five, it all boils over into a public debate. Swingley has a public debate against Conrad Gable and Manns, um, and the the major topic of discussion was infant baptism. That was that was the end all, right? Right. right. So up to this point, <clears throat> the city of Zurich had issued a command that basically you could do mass how you wanted to to do mass in your churches. Mm-hmm. That was okay. You could remove the icons, but infant baptism. Was a no go, right? Or our infant bat yes. not doing infant baptism was a no go, right? Okay, and so um, in fifteen twenty five, uh, Zwingli and Connery Grable Grable had it out in public, and they had an argument. And by the end of it, the council ruled in Zwingli's favor and said that um, number one, there were two two things. Number one, this group of fifteen men. And their families were not allowed to meet in secret together anymore. They they had to be dispersed. Yeah. That was the first big thing. The second one is, if you're withholding an infant from baptism, we will kick you, you. No, we'll kick you out no. of our city. At no. this point, it was just... <laughs> at this point, it was just oh, they, excommunication. They, they haven't gotten there yet. Right. At this point, it was excommunication <laughs> and being kicked out of Zurich. Okay? Okay. So, this was... a pretty big blow that they handed down to uh, to Grable and Mann and Balrog. So uh, they end up meeting together on the 21st of January. So this happened on the 17th. The public debate was on the 17th. And on the 21st <coughs> they met in secret in the home of Felix Manns. Dun, dun, dun. This was this is the official start of the Anabaptist movement. Okay, mm-hmm. so they met in secret, and then Balrog, who we'll meet in just a minute, um, asked Conrad Gable to baptize him. Okay, so Conrad Gable Grable baptized him, and then Balrog baptized all the rest of the people. Okay, upon public profession, confession, of, right? That's right, of faith. Uh, also, Conrad Grable had a um, an infant. I think she was a couple months old, a baby girl, and he refused to let her be baptized. Mm-hmm. And so, so let's just let's just go against everything that was just the edicts. Exactly. Let's, they, let's knock, knock them all down. Let's meet in secret. 
That's right. And let's with with rebaptize and withhold <laughs> baptism. Right. So, by the way, Conrad Grable, he's he's young. He's a young man at this point. Um, in fact, he he'll only live for four more years after this and die at thirty years old. Mm-hmm. So he's twenty twenty five or twenty six at this point. Yeah. Um, right around then. Um, and he has this infant, and he's I mean. But he he steps into and 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 makes you know makes this bold move, um, so Grable right after this um, he he basically leaves Zurich with his family because he's well known by everybody and he's going to get thrown in prison pretty quick, but he doesn't leave too far. He he goes around to the neighboring cities and he starts preaching. Um, their beliefs and during this time he also writes out the uh, um, um, uh, basically the the Anabaptist like statement of belief statement of faith um, and he sends a whole bunch of letters I'll give you uh, some examples one of them is um, all over so I'll actually I'll just read you this letter this is a, it's a great letter as an example of, of what they believed Hold on real quick. Let me pull it up to the front. This is a letter um, to Thomas Munzer. Mm-hmm. It says this, Grace, peace, and mercy from God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, to our Lord, uh, be with us all. Amen. Dear Brother Thomas, for the sake of God, please do not let it surprise you that we address you without title and ask you as a brother henceforth to exchange ideas with us by correspondence and that we unsolicited and unknown to you, have dared to initiate such future dialogue. God's Son, Jesus Christ, who offers himself as the only master and head to all who are to be saved and commands us to be brethren to all brethren and believes through the one common word, has moved and impelled us to establish friendship and brotherhood and to bring the following thesis to your attention. Also, the fact that you have written two booklets on phony faiths has led us to write to you. Therefore, this is another reformer. Therefore, if you will uh, accept it graciously for the sake of Christ our Savior, it may, if God will, serve uh, and work for the good. Amen. March forward with the word and create a Christian church with the help of Christ and his rule, such as we find institutions in Matthew 18 and practiced in the epistles. Press on in earnest with common prayer and fasting in accordance with faith and love without being commanded and compelled. Then God will help you and your lambs to all purify uh, purity and the chanting and the tablets will fall away. So in other words, get real, right? Mm. Um, then God will help you and your lamb. Oh, sorry. Uh, th- uh, there is more than enough wisdom and counsel in the scripture on how to teach, govern, direct, and make devout all classes of men. Anyone who will not reform or believe and strives against the word and acts of God and persists therein after Christ and his word and rule have been preached to him and he has been admonished with the three witnesses before the church, such a man, we say, on the basis of God's word, shall not be put to death but regarded as a heathen and publican and left alone. All right, so a couple things... (laughs) Right there already. First off, the whole idea of there are no titles, everybody is brother. Right. This was this whole <laughs> idea of 
everybody held everything in common. We need to strip this whole idea of like bishops, cardinals, cardinals, bishops. exactly. All, all these titles, get rid of them. We need to be just brothers. Hierarchy. Exactly. Um, the second is you notice he says hold, um, uh, hold, hold fast to scripture, right? Um, and it alone is how we teach, govern, direct, and make devout all classes of all men. So, and then the last one, notice he says, um, if if somebody has been preached these truths, we don't, we're not going to go kill them like our enemies are mm-hmm. killing us, right? We're going to just consider them um, as a heathen and publican and be left alone, right? So, um this is where he's going to get more into the, the whole passivism right here. Moreover, the gospel and its he- adherents are not to be protected by the sword. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. This is totally opposite and different from anything the Catholic Church was preaching at this right, point. Right, right. Right? Nor should they protect themselves, which, as we heard through our brother, is what you believe and maintain. True believing Christians are sheep among wolves, sheep for the slaughter. They must be baptized in anguish and tribulation, persecution, suffering, and death, tried in fire, and must reach the fatherland of eternal rest, not by slaying the physical, but the spiritual. They use neither worldly sword nor war, since killing has ceased with them entirely, unless indeed we are still under the old law. And even there, as far as we can know, War was only a plague after they had once conquered the promised land. No more of this. So this is coming from a brawler. Yes. <laughs> like which is insane, right? You right. think about the huge transition. Yeah. On the subject of baptism, your writing please us well. And we ask for further instruction from you. We are taught that without Christ's rule of binding and loosing, even an adult should not be baptized. The scriptures describe baptisms for us that it signifies the washing away of sins by faith in the blood of Christ, that the na- uh, nature of the baptized and believing one is changing before and after, that it signifies one has died and shall die to sin and walks in newness of life and spirit, and one will surely be saved if one, uh, through the inward baptism, believes uh, lives the faith according to this meaning so that the water does not strengthen and increase faith and gives <clears throat> and give a very great comfort and last resort on the deathbed as the scholars and Wittenberg at Wittenberg say also it does not save as Augustine Tertullian their uh, it whatever <laughs> and uh, Cyprian taught thus dishonoring faith and the suffering of Christ for mature adults and dishonoring the suffering of Christ for unbaptized infants. We hold that all children who have not attained the knowledge um, to discern between good and evil and have not eaten of the tree of knowledge are surely saved through the suffering of Christ, the new Adam. So there's the age of accountability, right? All the way back with the Anabaptist right here. Okay. The new Adam, who has restored the life and has been uh, that has been distorted, because they would have uh, been subject to death and damnation only if Christ had not suffered, not afterward risen to the infirmary of our broken nature, unless it can be proved to us that ch- uh, Christ did not die for children. 
We beg you not to use or adopt the old rites of the Antichrist, such as sacrament, mass, signs, etc. Hold to the word alone, and administers as all uh, emissaries should, especially you and Carlslet, uh, and you will be doing more than all the preachers of all nation, nations. So there's so much. Oh, man. Right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to discuss. But this is a huge, a gigantic That kind of gives change. you right off the top of um, their statements of belief. Like, mm-hmm. this is, it's kind of all-encompassing in where they were coming from, where they were separating from the Catholics. And they even label that as uh, Antichrist. Yeah. <laughs> so they <laughs> like, believe that, that that child baptism was a work of the Antichrist. Yeah. Because... Well, and there, it all stems from what does baptism do, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If you notice before, it's the blood of Christ that that saves us, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not the waters of baptism. Bagna, uh, they say the waters of baptism are an outside example of what's happened on the inside, right? That's that salvation comes through faith. That yeah, salvation comes through th- faith, and so a child. His argument is, has no knowledge of good and evil yet, mm-hmm. so therefore they're not held accountable because of that no knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. So, Which in and of itself doesn't have a lot of biblical uh, No, merit. it does not. <laughs> there is hardly any evidence for that at all. I mean, yeah. you, could use, you could use David. Yeah, people use King David and Bathsheba's child. That right. But that's very thin. <laughs> Extremely thin. <laughs> So Jonathan Edwards would have had a field day with this and mm-hmm. argued against it, right? Right. Was well, a good Presbyterian. I mean, I guess he was he was Puritan, but I mean, um, they did infant baptism. Uh, so it's a very. I mean, where do you, where do you go with this? Mm-hmm. This is their main argument against infant baptism. By the way, baptism should happen after a person has expressed faith. In Christ, yeah, and so the biggest, the, the the big scary thing then the big question happens. Well, what about the child that dies that dies in infancy? Before, yeah, That's right. Faith. Well, you know, so therefore we have to baptize them because that's their their mark of salvation. Mm-hmm. Which that's shaky theology. Yeah. So what do you do with that? You have to trust God. <laughs> hey, novel idea. <laughs> you know, and, and there's there's even statements in there that that I always kind of lean on because, uh, uh, especially the, they're the ones that the Calvinists use about um, about God will have mercy upon whom He'll have mercy on, right? And that sort of thing. And because there's to me there are things that we just need to leave in God's court, yep, and not ours. We're not going to save those children one way or the other, mm-hmm. whether it's through baptism or anything else, like. You can't, you have no power of salvation in you. So you have to, you have to trust God whether you're doing it or whether you're not. Like, right. Like one, one way or the other, you have to put it in God's court. And so I don't know. That's kind of where I. No, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. The interesting, what's interesting to me is that they're so concerned with trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. How salvation works. Yeah. That they they schism over Well, we've done that forever. Like <laughs> Yeah. And and you know, that's one of the things about um 
understanding just exactly what baptism does. Like, if you want to look at it, like, specifically, the text doesn't tell us in very precise language no. exactly what baptism does. Right. We have examples of it happening. We have statements of doing it for these reasons and, and you know, this sort of thing. But then we're left to kind of piece it together. Sure. Most of us don't have a knowledge of the Jewish principle of baptism and what they were using it for and so how people would have seen it back then. And to me, that weighs in a lot on what baptism, baptism is. is and what it does. So it was a washing. It was a washing of sins. So, right? you know, for example, there's this there's this entire um, basis of theology because I never really understood the whole papal baptism arguments until I started reading some of their very detailed works on it and looking at okay the sign and the seal and all that sort of thing. Right. And it equates baptism to um, to circumcision. Yep. And I can see that that correlation, right? Because it's even mentioned in Romans four. Like there's this, there is this. Uh, correlation there yeah so uh it's a thin thin correlation to me like whatever it is though i i can i can understand because the text doesn't give us real exact precise science type of language around the the work of baptism so i understand where people can go in this direction i understand where people can go in that direction but the one thing that is clearly spelled out is that salvation comes by grace through faith alone. Like that is spelled out in very precise language. Yeah. In the New Testament. Right. So that's where I lean. Like that's where I that's where I stay. Sure. And then we can have all these little debates about, you know, what exactly this process is doing and when. Uh, but the biggest thing is faith and grace. Grace through faith. Right. So anyway, uh, I, I find it interesting that our history shows good and bad things coming by standing so firmly on a sacrament and what that sacrament does versus standing on faith, faith. and seeing what that does. Right. And obviously some of the, the language in that letter is like spot on no matter what, which right. is uh, we're persecuted people. Yeah. And when we stand for, uh, if we're going to stand up and, believe that that I must be baptized of a, on my profession of faith and therefore that goes against the law then they're doing it by they're doing that by faith and that honors God right and, and so I mean go to Romans 14 oh yeah and look at what all it says there about when you have this conviction in something and you're doing it for God through faith that that is right to you and if you don't do it it's sin to you like it's a very pliable sure. thing, but so anyway, I just think that the 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 heart of that is spot on, sure, and that we are to be uh, acting on our faith, right, and putting our trust in God, and not fighting and brawling and going to war over this. Because if we're doing that, we're totally missing the point. The point of saving grace, right, and that we are all none of us have it figured out. Yeah. Like that's one of the things that everyone needs to realize is that I believe actually that the scriptures are intentionally vague on certain things like this because God wants to see how we're going to deal with the difference. <laughs> wow. He, he wants to see That's interesting. Are you going to handle this with yeah. with grace in your heart or huh. are you going to go to war about me? 
and about my grace. Wow. And I, so, I mean, I really do think sure. that, that this is part of, of sanctification. Yeah. It's like, okay, what are you going to do with it now that you have faith? How are you going to live it out? Are you going to, are you going to, you know, divide and conquer and, and fight over this stuff? Or are you going to somehow figure out a way to get along and work through all this? Wow. So anyway, this is that's interesting. Side note. So either way, I mean, Grable was pretty, um, pretty hard nosed on his biggest thing. His biggest take was uh, scripture alone should dictate all of this. <coughs> yes. Searching out the scriptures and understanding what they say should be. That's where we hang our hat. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be um, from handed down, you know. And so he even calls out some of the church fathers. You notice that uh, Augustine, Tertullian, you know, which is very interesting because that, you know, to them at that point, they were on on the same level as scripture for most everybody else. Yeah. Right. The the patristic fathers. And so it was a very interesting thing that that he says. So basically um, he's he travels around for a year and a half um, baptizing um, people and and teaching them the gospel, and then he ends up getting um, arrested, and then his followers help him escape. He ends up going to uh, Mayfield, um, which is in the Canton of uh, Grissons, um, and then he died as soon as he got there. Um, he just died. I don't know of natural causes or something. I think he got sick. But really? he was thirty years old when he died. Yeah, wow. So, which is which is crazy. But he was, you know, his work was significant enough. Although he was only doing this for a year and a half, like he'd been baptized for a year and a half mm. before he died. He he's known as the father of the uh, of the Anabaptist, and so him as well as Felix Mann and George Barrock. And then next next time we're gonna look at another one that I want to spend a whole episode on this one guy because he's just so unbelievably powerful to me but i'm i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> um anyways let's go on spoilers to, yeah felix mans who uh is just as significant as conrad grable although he was not as loud or boisterous um he was also very um he he was not educated highly um he pretty much was born and raised in Zurich. Um, he did have an education in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, um, which qualified him for hanging out with Zwingli. And when he was hanging out with Zwingli, he joined with Conrad Grable and just became they became best friends. Um, they were kind of those two were kind of like the ringleaders in questioning about the mass and questioning about all these other things. Um, and uh, but he was a lot less outspoken. Than uh than Felix Manns or than Conrad Grable and George Barog. Um he he was born and he died in Zurich. Like he never even left Zurich. Um in so he was the second person baptized. He was the first person by George Barog to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Um so um which is kind of important. And also he, he was the he he uh, allowed everybody to meet in his house. So the biggest the, the reason that he's so absolutely important is because um, 
he was the first one to really be arrested and then killed. Martyred. Martyred. Um, so on March 7th of 1526, this is a year after the 1525 debate, um, Zurich Council passed an edict that made adult rebaptism punishable, punishable by drowning. Okay, <laughs> so basically they said if you want to if you want to baptize as adults, then we will drown you. Um, and what happens is that they immediately went and they, they arrest two people, Swingley and Balrock, uh, and they. You mean Felix Mans? No. Are oh, yeah. Sorry, Mans and Balrock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they they started beating him. And admonishing them to uh, recant their baptisms, at which they were like, "No way!" Um, and then they they asked can't him, "Can't really be unbaptized, right?" Uh, Felix Mann stated basically that his goal was to bring together those who were willing to accept Christ, obey the Word, and follow in His footsteps, to unite with those by baptism, and to purchase the rest in their present conviction. Um, and so the Zwingli. Uh, council accused him of refusing to recede from his error of caprice. At 3 p.m., he was led um, from the Wellingburg to a boat. He praised God and preached to the people the whole time he was doing this. Uh, there was a reform minister that was coming along and trying to acknowledge it, or trying to get him to to recant uh, his baptism the whole time. His brother and his mother were right beside him the whole way, uh, basically telling him not to recant, don't. Don't right. give up. You yeah. can handle this. You can take it. And so they, they took him to um, the River Lamont. Uh, he he was bound, um, and he was tied basically. His knees and his hands were tied to a pole, or he was tied to a chair, one of the two. I, I haven't figured that out because two different accounts of it say that he was tied to a pole, and then another one says that he was just bound to a chair. Right. And then they basically just shoved him over. The side, right before uh, he was shoved into the side, he was um, he was said to have said, "Into thy hands I commend my spirit," mm. and then he died. So he was the very first um, martyr, and he doesn't have a whole bunch of written stuff. His his biggest one, he has like one letter that he wrote, and then he wrote a hymn. An 18 stanza hymn, uh, and I'll give you the lines of the first stanzas, but you can download the whole hymn. With gladness will I now sing, my heart delights in God, who showed me such forbearance that I from death was saved, which never hath an end. I praise thee, Christ in heaven, who all my sorrow changed. That's mm. pretty cool. It was written in German. Or, yeah, no. Uh, by the way, but pretty powerful guy. Um, so that, you know, he's pretty interesting. But the, the last one that really, George Balrock was pretty much the Peter of this movement. He was the guy that basically was just straight up bold. He didn't give a crap what anybody did to him. Mm-hmm. He got beaten and imprisoned more time than anybody else. Um, so this is pretty cool. His name is actually George von Haas Jacob. The reason they called him, everybody commonly knew him as George Balrock because he wore a blue coat. Balrock means blue coat, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so he was just he was known as George with the blue coat. He av- originally was born in Graubuden, Switzerland, in ni- uh, 1491. He was educated at the University of Leipzig, served as a priest, a Roman Catholic priest. Um, but he eventually he converted uh, to the Reformation. By the time he reached Zurich, he was uh, um, he was already married by the time he reached Zurich. But his goal was to um, join with he he wanted to meet Zwingli, who was his hero, and he wanted to join with him. And when he met Zwingli and joined with him, it, it was like a couple months later that he ended up sp- splitting. splitting. From me. That's yeah. right, uh, and going with the uh, uh, with Conrad uh, Grable and Felix Manns. Um, he, uh, like I said, was the very first one. So that the seventeenth uh, was the argument on the twenty first of fifteen twenty five. They were all meeting together in the house, and. George Balrock, they were basically they were going, What do we do? What do we do? We need to leave, you know, Zurich. We need to and and Balrock's like, uh bet. Baptize me. <laughs> so <laughs> I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. There's no reason why I shouldn't be baptized. That's what I believe. So baptize me. So they baptized him, right? Which was a huge I mean, it was just a bold move. And then he admonished everybody else and had everybody else baptized. Yeah. So he ends up baptizing everybody else. And then, uh, right after that, Conrad Grable, or I mean Felix Manns and and Balrog get arrested, mm-hmm. and uh, while they they kill Manns, they release Balrog because he can he basically recanted, but it was after he had been beaten so severely that basically they said recant or leave leave Zurich. They didn't view him as one of their own. So Felix Manns was born and raised in Zurich, right? Mm-hmm. And he died in Zurich. Balrock wasn't from Zurich, so they pretty much just kicked him out. They're, they're like, you know... So he shakes the dust from his feet, and he starts going out. But what he does is he just goes... The reason I, I call him, like, the Peter is because he... Or he's like Peter and Paul mixed together. He's basically the first missionary. Mm. So that he... If it weren't for Balrock this this movement never really would have taken off because he literally goes to city after city and baptizes his goal is to baptize as many people as he can he gets arrested like three or four times doing this right yeah. um throughout his throughout his life he he escapes a couple times he gets beaten a couple times and finally they they can't handle it anymore um in you know it'd been interesting to be like a fly on the wall in some of these um some of these councils that they had about all this yeah, and, and because one of the things that let, let's say uh, I'm totally in agreement with say uh, Zwigli's team here or sure. the, the city council or I mean it's like you can't get around the fact that there are even examples in scriptures of people being rebaptized right like there's examples of it sure. in Acts 19 right so it's like so even if you disagree with confessional baptism. It's like, how do you get to the point to where baptizing an adult is punishable by death? Like, (laughs) like I don't even see how you get from point A to point B. Like, you have to really leave Scripture to get to that point. Yeah, and here's, I mean, the only thing I can understand, I can see from Zwingli, he wanted to squash it. 
Well, right. Like, as fast as he could. And so back then, I mean, if you go, okay, if you rebaptize, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to drown you. Yeah. Right? That's his way of squashing it. But, man, he should have learned from the early... <laughs> from the early Christian martyrs. Mm-hmm. What does that do? I mean, literally, by the end of this, they will there will be Anabaptists that throw themselves on the fire to be killed, right, for their belief, mm-hmm. because they believe in it so much. All he does is fan the flame of Reformation to a, to a higher extent. It's craziness. But his his motive is I just want to squash it, and so that's part of the reason why I think they they let Balrog go because he kind of wasn't one of theirs. But they were like all hardcore on man's, you know what I mean? They were right. like, "We're gonna kill man, but we'll let you go." It's because they I think they felt guilty, honestly. So it's it's very interesting. But um, let's see on. I mean, there's so much that well, that he did, but the time frame here. What what year are we in again? 1525 is when it starts. The first martyrs in 1526 of March. Okay, so we had so, a year. So we hadn't actually got to the Catholic persecution. No, of uh, of uh, uh, Mary the first. No. Okay. No. Because that all happened in the mid-1500s. Right. And that's whenever uh, the Catholics persecute the uh, the Reformers, the Protestants, right. so much that they make their exodus to Switzerland right. to, um, you know, basically get away from persecution. Right, right, right. So. But in Switzerland, they'd been persecuting the Anabaptists <laughs> for, like, decades. Yeah. So at this point, there'd been at by the time Mary uh, gets, gets on the throne, I'm guessing the... The death tolls in the close to the thousands range of Anabaptists. Mm. So that's what people don't realize. And Calvin went right along with it. Yeah, I mean, he slaughtered them uh, because I, because basically of this movement. Now there, and I'll talk about this next week because I need my book back. But they're basically from here. It splits into like three or four different viewpoints, mm-hmm. and some of these Anabaptists get off on a really weird. It's almost like the early um, word word of faith uh, Pentecostal movement. Okay, yeah. um, and we'll look and in, look into some of that, like where the, where they get their authority. Because at some point they go off on the Holy Spirit, and they they distort like the the function of the Holy Spirit in a lot of ways hmm. uh, versus Scripture. Um, and but we'll get off on that. And and so there. When I say Anabaptist, it covers a whole plethora of different belief systems that were happening around at this time. Yeah. But the main one that they all had in common was rebaptizing. Right. That's, That's why they're called Anabaptists. The... Exactly. So, anyways, getting back to Balrock, I, I just, I like his, and, and we'll finish with him. But in 1529, um, uh, he's, he's basically captured again and seized, uh, and he's beg to recant uh and he he's he's like nope i'm gonna die <laughs> so uh it, it's crazy uh let's see i'll i'll read you this is from martyr's mirror uh which tells the story of his death but it says about this time in 1529 
George Von Diem Haas Jacob, named Balrock, after he had spread and proclaimed the doctrine of the truth for two or three years in Switzerland and especially in Trillo, uh, whether he himself had traveled so that he could put his talent to interest with the zeal and the house of God may be a tool of salvation. Together with the companions, uh, with his companions, was captured in Gofdon and not far from Clausen was burned alive with fire. And indeed, for the sake of the uh, sake of the following articles, because he left his priesthood and the position he served in the papacy. And by the way, these are Catholics that captured Balrock and killed him. Okay, not not, not Zwingli's. Wow. Right. So at this point, both sides are everyone's after you. Yes, uh, he had left his um, position as he served in the pap- papacy because he considered infant baptism nothing and preached a new baptism to the people because he repudiated the mass and also the confessional uh, as it was ordained by the clergy, and also that one must not call upon the worship of the mother of Christ for this reason he was ex- executed. And as if is fitting for a knight and a hero of faith, sanctified uh, sacrifice of body and life for it. When he was on the place of execution, he spoke earnestly to the people and pointed them to the scriptures. <laughs> so as he was dying... Oh, and the cool thing about Balrock is this. So he finds out he's going to be martyred. This is one of my favorite stories about him. He finds out he's going to be martyred. And I told you this before, mm-hmm. but he found he finds out he's going to be martyred and he's going to be burned at the stake. And so he tells his fellow companions who, who are in prison with him, he's like, listen, it's no big thing that I'm going to be burned at the stake. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with my creator soon. And I can handle this. And to prove that I can handle it, I'll tell you what. When the flames get their hottest, I will give you a sign, right, <laughs> that I'm, I'm able to handle it and it's not hurting me. And when I give you that sign, you'll know that as I'm being burned alive, that, that God is protecting me and that I'll be okay. And so he's bound and tied, right, to a stake and lit on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and as... As the fire's burning, he, uh, his bonds break, and he holds up two fingers, showing that the original Mockingjay. So I know I'm joking. Right, right. He holds up two <laughs> fingers, showing everybody uh, that that he's able to handle it before he before mm. he succumbs to the fire. Wow, which is way cool. Like this guy, he was hardcore. I love uh, Alrija. He uh, he wrote a letter and two hymns. The last week of his life. This was, this was one of his hymns. Um, uh, on like he knew that he was going to die, and this is what he says: "Lord God, how do I praise thee from hence and evermore that thou real life didst give me, by which I thee may know. Forget me not, O Father. Be near me evermore. Thy Spirit shield and teach me that in afflictions great thy comfort I may ever prove." And valiantly may obtain the victory in this fight. That's awesome. Yep. So those three men were responsible for basically creating the movement that would become the Anabaptist um, movement. And so next week uh, we'll study a guy. Um, oh, what's his name? Balthazar. Um, oh my gosh. Balthazar. Balthazar is his first name, but his most famous quote is. Truth is immortal. 
Mm-hmm. That's his most famous quote. And we'll study him. I want to get a shirt with Balthazar's picture on it that says, Truth is a word, immortal, because <laughs> he's so awesome. Anyways, that's cool. all I got, dude. Awesome. Do you have any news, or do you want to do trivia, or what do you want to do? Um, yeah, let's just do trivia. All right. <laughs> I like bringing the trivia back. I do too. It's been fun. We kind of stopped it because of time restraints, but right, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So you want to go first? I can't remember where we left off last time. Sure, I'll go first. All right. What do you want? So uh, those those letters you see on the side there. It's old sure. Old Testament history, geography, prophecy, names, letters, numbers, and sequences. New Testament or words? New Testament. New Testament. Specify how the eleven chose an apostle to replace Judas Iscariot from two candidates. I'm ready. When I let the music play so everyone can think about it. So how? Specify how they did it. Specifically, how did they choose? They drew lots. <laughs> yes, they prayed and they cast lots. Over it. That's right. All right. Pick um, the straw, the short straw. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. What do you want? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Old Testament. All right. Who is the him in this verse? By my mercy, thou shalt not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. I'm going to reread that. Yeah. Go for it. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. I'm going to say David. No. Ah! His son. Jonathan. Solomon. Solomon. Oh, oh, Solomon. David's uh, son, Solomon. Oh, uh, okay. Ah, okay, you went up on me. All right, what do you want? <laughs> uh, let's do Old Testament again. Okay. Oh, dude. Okay. What? Is it easy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. You can switch it if you no, want to do it. No, 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 no. It's fine, man. I don't mind. <laughs> because there are some difficult ones. You're so here. competitive. Go ahead. Oh, I'm the competitive <laughs> one. I'm not competitive at all. I don't oh, know what you're talking not about. Not at all. No. <laughs> okay. So the question is, what action of David offended his wife, uh, Michal. <laughs> I'll pronounce her name correctly. Michael? No, Michal. <laughs> Michael. It's not Michael. It's not spelt like Michael. It's Michal. Michelle. Nope. <laughs> okay, so what did he do? He danced naked. <laughs> Close enough. He did. He danced in praise of the Lord, 2 Samuel 6. Verse 16, in front of the um, Ark of the Covenant as it was coming into the city. That's right. All right. Uh, I want, let's see, I want one. You want one more? Of course. Yeah, of course you get it. 
Although you're going to lose Let's today. Let's do but. history and geography. Okay. <laughs> this will be interesting. I think you'll get this one. Which of these cities is farthest north? Rome, Colossae, Corinth, or Thessalonica? Okay, so we got what were the what were they again? Rome, Rome, Colossae, Colossae, Corinth, Thessalonica, furthest north. Okay, so Rome is in Italy. Colossae Italy. Is, is in the Turkey area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corinth is in Greece. Mm-hmm. Thessalonica is in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Thessalonica. No. What? <laughs> Rome? Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, that was a... <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I had some hard ones for you today. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's, it's just the luck of the draw Let's sometimes. keep going. This is fun. Okay. What do you want? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, let's do New Testament again. I like New Testament. Okay. Whom did Paul send back to Philemon? Timothy. Oh, where's my button? No, John Mark. No, who is it? Onesimus. Onesimus. Oh, well. He's the subject of the book of. Philemon. Philemon. Duh. I totally forgot that. That's right. The uh, Oh, my gosh. That's Jeremiah. You're an idiot. Okay. So give me one more Old Testament one, and we'll call it a day. Okay. To whom did God... This is easy. To whom did God say the following? Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Super easy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> of course, that last one was easy for me, too, and I just blew it. Duh, that was so dumb. That would be Moses. That's right. Yay! Congratulations. Yes, I got one right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we ready to get it on out of here? Hey, let's do it. All right, let's do this. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows. Listen to our websites. Uh, wow. What? Visit. <laughs> that was totally wrong. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact several. us. Several. And leave us fe- feedback. Feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com Dot or com. call us on our voicemail line. Voicemail. 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. If you like us and want more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees 
and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission transmission at gctnetwork.com.